Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Charlie Hartwell about fostering your personal transformation and waking up your authentic self. Charlie Hartwell, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have a chance to talk. And a fellow Utahan joining me today. You got that, the beautiful mountain uh, landscape and your virtual background behind you. So that's wonderful. Um, and Utah really is a beautiful place. Anyone who may be listening who's never been, we have so, so much visual um, uh, geographic diversity here within the state and lots of national parks and you know just so much beauty good snow to ski um, just all sorts of good stuff so uh, if you ever make your way out to Utah look us up and uh, and maybe we can go out to lunch or something <laughs> um, but it's it's really a pleasure to have you Charlie today we're going to be focusing on transformation personal transformation uh, team and organizational transformation and really what we can do individually and as leaders to wake up to our authentic self and help others on our teams do the same, uh, creating a safe space for people to be authentic, to be mindful, uh, to, and, and a focus on mental and uh, physical wellness of our employees. Uh, as we get started, I just wanted to share Charlie's bio with everyone. Charlie Hartwell is the managing partner of Bridge Builders Collaborative, a group of highly successful investors who've been investing in startup companies in the space of mental wellness, consciousness, and spirituality. A Harvard Business School graduate, Charlie has served and led organizations in 14 different industries, including starting a nonprofit in the slums of Kenya in 1986 that has now served healthcare to several million patients. He also founded the first nonprofit expedition company in the U.S. Uh, in U.S. history to promote the, the Bancroft Arneson Expedition, a, a historical 17,000-mile crossing of Antarctica by two women who became the first to cross the continent on foot. Uh, now, Charlie and his company are passionate about supporting the growth of a new movement around mental fitness, heart-centered connection, consciousness evolution, and improved healthcare. Bridge Builders has invested in such companies as Peer uh, Paratherapeutics, Insight Timer, Headspace, Happify, and others. Uh, so, so interesting. Uh, what a really unique uh, and needed focus. Um, as I was reading through your bio too, I, I was you know, so curious um, why anyone would want to walk 17,000 miles across Antarctica <laughs> is beyond me personally, but, but kudos to them. I mean, that's an amazing accomplishment. Um, so anyways, you're, you're doing great things. Uh, what else would you like to share by way of personal background before we jump into the conversation? Well, just, just two points of clarification. 
on the expedition. It was actually the first for-profit expedition company and the, and the, uh, and the explorers, uh, Anne Bancroft and Lee Varnison, um, they skied 1700 miles. I think that's a typo. Um, but the, you know, they skied across the continent of Antarctica, um, in, uh, in 2000, 2001. And, um, yeah, so I think the only thing that I'll share uh, is not what I've done, but what I'm about really is, you know, is about uh, authentic leadership, innovation, growth, transformation. And it seems as though anything that I've been involved with in my career, when I, you know, authentically show up and bring those gifts that I have with me, that, uh, you know, something something's going to change. I, I don't necessarily know what's going to change, but, but, but normally something does. Yeah. And, and something positive, uh, usually, um, it, it, it's great to have a focus on growth and development. And, uh, I, I think, I think most leaders, I, I, I am a believer that most people are good, um, and want to do right by others that most leaders want, uh, to, to, be good for their people, that they want to serve their people, that they want to be lead successful organizations that empower people. Um, but we don't always know how to do that. And while it's not always rocket science, uh, it does take a concerted, consistent effort over time, a uh, real commitment to some of the basic elements that can allow us to create those types of healthy environments for, for our people. And, and it's just, it's challenging work because it, it, it never ends. It's just, you just have to be consistent, um, at it, uh, forever. Uh, you know, you, you, there's no like workshop you can go to that's going to fix it. There's no, um, you know, there, there's no, uh, quick fix. And so, uh, I think helping people, helping leaders to be more aware of the need for, for this kind of work is really important. And then providing the tools to help, uh, leaders understand how they can create that environment, that dynamic within their teams is, is really vital. So kudos to you on the good work that you're doing. Um, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, at, at, on the outset of this discussion, um, why you feel like this idea of mindfulness, uh, mindfulness practices, consciousness, why that's so important in today's world and why it could be a game changer for organizations. Um, there, well, on, on a high level, um, my, my belief that is if, if we don't become a more conscious culture, we won't have a planet to live on. Um, so that, so that's point number one, but underlying that, uh, is, you know, this pervasive element, which has been in our society for some time and exacerbated by COVID, which is we're a highly stressed um society we don't know how to turn you know the on button off um we've lost abilities to connect with ourselves uh, and with others in a world where we're sort of always chasing something and that is leading to a mental health crisis uh and it's you know it's leading to tr you know just tremendous um societal costs so as my wife, who's the one that got me into this, into this field, you know, said to me, she, uh, you know, she got me involved uh, and, and I got introduced to Bridge Builders nine years ago when we saw the science behind 
you know, contemplative practice, mindfulness, et cetera, get to a point where we, we, we wanted to find companies to invest in, in that space. And what we actually found, Jonathan, is that while we were very early in our thesis, um, once that science was there, organizations actually were desperately looking for this as a way to, to, to help their people. So we started seeing mindfulness becoming, you know, embedded in education systems, in corporations, increasingly in insurance companies, healthcare systems, uh, the military, et cetera, because the need is just so great. And as well, the, you know, the cost benefit of spending 10 minutes in silence and, um, you know, just trying to connect with yourself uh, and observe your thoughts versus being overpowered by them actually provided a great deal of, of, of healthcare benefits at no cost with, you know, with almost negligible side effects. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Something as simple as just taking a mental break, sitting in silence, calming your mind um, for five, 10 minutes, something as simple as that, that the impact that it can have on a whole range of outcomes for individuals, for teams, and for organizations is tremendous. And, and this, like you said, the science is, is backing this up. So it's, it's not just this woo-woo kind of um, new age philosophy that people are espousing. Uh, it's, it's real science. It, it has real impacts. And, and it, I mean, in a variety of ways, it, it, it helps us um, uh, recenter ourselves. It, it gives us a chance to be self-reflective. It gives us a chance to, um, to even just the, the mere fact that you're taking a mental break um, to recharge uh, and then tackle, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the challenge at hand, you know, anew. Um, in today's knowledge economy, you know, we, we don't need people who can just kind of push through physical fatigue to produce widgets. We need people to think abstract, complex thoughts, to innovate, to be creative. And that is very mentally taxing. And, and you simply can't maintain a high level of that kind of concentration and that kind of mental focus, um, indefinitely you have to take breaks otherwise you're depleted and whatever you whatever you produce will be um will, will not be as good so it, it seems like a no-brainer yet we still see a lot of resistance from a lot of organizations and a lot of leadership uh styles aren't really connected with this kind of an approach they they want people to be on task they don't want people to be wasting time uh, so on and so forth what what is what have you seen you know, as, as the best way to tackle that kind of a mindset, which I see as really an old school um, management mindset that sprung out of the industrial revolution, but we're past that, right? We're in the fourth industrial revolution now. We're a knowledge economy. Um, and how do we get past that? You know, for, for people who choose to look at other people as objects, which is what you're describing um, in, in a patriarchal system where people just want you to perform and really don't care about you as a human being, you still can get at that, those people through science and through healthcare costs. And, you know, the, the science um, is increasingly showing that, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you're able to pause and reflect uh, and, um, you know, get centered, you're going to be better at customer service because you're going to listen to people more. 
you're going to be more resilient when somebody comes at you. And so there's going to be less conflict in the work workplace. Um, so, you know, in general, I just say we should be treating each other as human beings, but for those people, you know, in that old, in that old style, there actually is pretty good science. And actually uh, what I would say is that I'm seeing is that companies who don't adopt or at least provide people options uh, to engage in these practices, um, they're going to lose the younger workforce. Their people are not going to come and be treated the way that, that, that they were during the, you know, during the industrial revolution. So. Uh, yeah. And that, that's an interesting point. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes uh, millennials and Gen Z individuals get a bit of a bad rap um, in the workforce because they're framed as, you know, they're stereotyped as being entitled. Um, and I suppose, you know, there, there may be some of that and some of that's just a matter of growth and maturity, right? Like every, every generation deals with some of that to a certain extent and, and you mature and you grow out of it. Um, but a lot of what I think people identify as like entitlement amongst young millennial workers or Gen Z workers, I don't see it that way at all. I just see it as them holding their management and their leadership accountable for good practices. They have high expectations for what, for how they should be treated uh, as human beings. And they're not willing to put up with the crap that previous generations may have been willing to put up <laughs> early, put up with earlier in their career. And I think that's a good thing personally. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I also think that they're so much, you know, mission, uh, mission oriented, more mission oriented than, than previous generations. And that, you know, even, you know, even existing companies with existing, you know, products, they better be more focused around a mission and they better be true to that mission because in today's world, when you're not true to those mission, they won't just hold you accountable in the office. They'll hold you accountable in public. And the public will hold you accountable to those to those missions. So I think uh, you know overall that um, you know this this leads all the way to consumers caring uh, about how companies you know treat other companies and whether or not they have you know uh, diverse um, you know diverse workforces that are treated equally and paid equally. I mean this, this is just all this is all just happening and and to a certain extent you know when you pause and reflect and take some time and just think about it, like, yeah, that all makes sense. Um, it like, we should just be treating each other. You know, we have this one life to live. Uh, why would we be busy treating other people like dirt when we could be treating them with kindness and compassion and holding them accountable at the same time? Yeah, exactly. And those aren't mutually exclusive um, philosophies or principles, right? It, oftentimes they get, portrayed that way in a false dichotomy and they're just simply not mutually exclusive. Um, and in fact, we, we, the opposite is true. Like you can see, if you want to hold people accountable and get good results, the best way to do it, research has shown the best way to do that is to make sure that you have a proactive, positive relationship with your people, that they feel empowered, that they have autonomy, that they have connection to the meaning and purpose behind their work, you know, so on and so forth. Right. Um, it's not micromanaging. It's not kind of the old school model that might've worked okay on the assembly line, but it just doesn't work in the knowledge economy and, and, and in, you know, this rapid, 
pace of technological disruption and innovation. Like we just have to be much more fluid. We have to be much more uh, iterative and quick in our learnings. Um, and that just can't happen through, you know, uh, a, a leader having that much involvement, their fingers in all the business of everyone that's on their team. Um, so you, you do a lot of work then with transformation. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about consciousness, we've talked about reflection, we've talked about mindfulness practices. How does that then connect to transformation um, of self and, and how does that lead us to being more authentic personally in our own lives, but also within the workplace? Well, if we, if we are, have the willingness to look at, at least in my own experience, when we have the, the, the willingness to look at some of the patterns that we have that are, you know, that are conditioned from our childhood or stories that our community told us, or, you know, that we learn in school and these very old patterns, which are not authentic, but they're conditioned into us. And if you're, you know, in a lot of cases, it's look, looking at our family systems and, and the dysfunction um, that we experience, you know, early in our life. Uh, and if you're able to look at that and sort of say, oh, you know, how is that manifested? It's like looking inwards, like, okay, so, so when I look inward, how, what really fuels me? What's my authentic purpose? And if you, and, 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 and how am I manifesting in that, that in the world? And then, you know, you're taking a look at the things around you, your, your life, et cetera. And what are things that you're, you know, that, that, that work for you and that don't work for you. Um, and, you know, and it, it takes people to support you to, to go through this process. Uh, it's, you know, it's not just a, it's not just a solo journey, but the more you're willing to go, you know, inward and look at, you know, the things that create suffering um, and then to change those stories or, or behaviors or patterns, at least in my own experience, I found I got deeper into understanding who I was, why am I, you know, why am I here? Um, what do I resonate with? What do I need to, what do I no longer resonate with that I actually have to let go of? And my sense, uh, you know, my own experience that's led to a much more uh, fulfilling life where I'm living in, you know, in my purpose and I am, I am working and, you know, um, you know, in friendship with people that really resonate with that as opposed to, uh, you know, just people that have sort of accumulated or something like that over, you know, over my life. So I think, you know, for those, for those willing to take that journey, it can be, it can be a really difficult journey. Um, and, you know, my, uh, I can just say, it, you know, people that I know that come out the other side are uh, are much more fulfilled, happy, um, you know, feeling like their life has purpose, et cetera. Yeah. And, and you know, as I hear you describing your experience, you know, I, I think of how difficult it is for anyone to test and challenge their assumptions on the world, to, to, uh, take a step back um, to look at their beliefs, their values, their, their, their way of connecting with people through relationships, whether that be personally, interpersonally, you know, at home or in the workplace. Um, that take, that's hard. That's hard inner work. And that's, that, it, that's makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. People like uh, consistency. They like, um, they like predictability. They like certainty. And what you're describing is anything but those things, <laughs> but, but it, it's enriching because 
you start to learn, like you said, to live for yourself, not for others. So you're not living to try to get the approval of other people or to do what you think they want you to do because, you know, and oftentimes for quite arbitrary reasons, right? Just for conformity to the group or whatever. Um, and there's so much more than that. And, and I'm not saying you have to like get rid of all of your, your, your values and beliefs from, from your upbringing, but, but there, there is more, um, in the world than what we knew as children. Uh, and it's simply a matter of, of learning and growing and developing into functioning adults, you know, that we're going to be exposed to new things and, and we need to find ways to incorporate those into our understanding of the world. Um, and so for me, as I think about trying to be my authentic self um, and going through that personal transformation, I feel like I've had similar types of experiences as you're describing. And I, th I think, you know, that, that isn't always pleasant work, but it's, it's good work that, that ultimately um, allows me to be more centered personally, but also connect with pe other people. When I'm authentic with myself, I'm, I'm able to have more authentic connections with others rather than you, you, you termed it as accumulating people. You know, I think of, unfortunately, far too often, you know, earlier in my life, relationships were more about utility. Um, what can I get out of this relationship with another person? As opposed to what can I give to this other person? How, what, how can I support this other person um, through our relationship? And, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with reciprocal professional relationships where you're mutually helping each other, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's, that doesn't lead to like fulfillment and a, a sense of purpose and, and joy. Like some of the, some of those types of emotions come as we, as we work for others, you know? And, and so I think as leaders in organizations, you know, we, we can have that same mindset. We can have a servant leader mindset where, where we're committed to helping every single person on our team maximize their potential, fulfill their greatest potential, um, and, and empower them and support them uh, to become, you know, better than we are as, as leaders um, so that they, they can contribute the best way they're capable of. And that, that means we will be successful as leaders if we do that. Um, that's a nice byproduct, but it also means that regardless of the performance and the outcomes that we're treating others as human beings that are, have innate value, regardless of their outputs. And, and when we are with people that way, that creates more stronger, more trusting relationships that just have all sorts of positive outcomes. Yeah. It's interesting. So just, you know, just, uh, so we're, we're all on these different journeys and just as I was listening to you, uh, you know, a difference that I had to, then, then you were describing was I actually grew up in an, every relationship that I can think back to that I had, I was giving more than I was receiving. In fact, I was conditioned to not ask to always be giving. So the, the you know, the, the transformation for me was, uh, was more about, okay, so how do I look at it and say, I, I actually want reciprocal relationships. I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want anything more than, you know, than, than, than giving or receiving, but all of those relationships in the past, you know, have been based on, you know, just trying to serve them, you know, um, make them happy, whatever. And, you know, in an organizational setting as a leader, you know, as a, as someone who, uh, you know, uh, has, has run several companies, uh, I, I'd say, you know, we, 
we can hold space for people to be their authentic self. We can encourage them. We can invite them, but you can't lead them there, but you can create a culture of accountability. And if they don't fit into that, and if they don't choose, you know, that they, that they want to be in that type of a culture, then you can, you know, gracefully uh, support them, you know, to, to leave, to find something that does resonate with them. But I, you know, I, I found that um, whenever I've tried to like force this on people, I mean, I can, I'm really good at holding the invitation, I'm really good at supporting people through the process of being authentic. It, it can be hard for people, but I, you know, whenever I try to, to force someone down that path, never goes, never goes well. Um, yeah, this- yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, so we create environments where people can feel safe, right. To, to explore, to be their authentic self, um, to practice mindfulness, um, and, and to have those types of authentic, meaningful connections with each other. Um, and, and that's, that is the best we can do. We can't, it's, it's, you know, I often think about leadership and sometimes people say leaders motivate their people. No, leaders don't motivate anybody. Leaders create an environment in which people can be motivated. <laughs> that's, it's a, it's a big mm-hmm. difference. And, and uh, what you're describing is the same thing. You know, I can't force anyone to question their assumptions of the world. <laughs> um, all I can do is help people um, understand that I'm a safe person um, and, you know, that I'm, that I'm there to support them. And, and then some people will choose to go down that path and others won't. Um, well, Charlie, it has been a real pleasure. This time has flown by. Uh, and we're about out of time, uh, mm-hmm. but, be, but before we close today, and perhaps I can have you back again sometime to continue the discussion. Uh, before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about what you're doing, uh, and perhaps reach out if, if they need any assistance. Yeah, so um, so the Bridge Builders uh, you know, website is bbcollaborative.com, so you can see the types of investments that we've that we've made uh, in in the space. Um, my wife and my business is called the Shifted Institute. That's shifted.com. Um, that's about igniting consciousness, inspiring human potential, and creating paradigm shifts. That's where I do my work from bridge builders out of that business. Um, I spend a lot of time on you know on LinkedIn, uh, just Charlie Hartwell. Um, you know, I'm on I'm Twitter. You can find me at Charlie Hartwell uh, as well. And, you know, that's kind of, that's, that, that's the best places to find me. I do have a medium blog uh, where I write about uh, insights that I have from, you know, investing in, uh, in this space that we've been investing in startup companies over the last nine years. Uh, so that's another place to find me. Charlie, again, it's been a real pleasure. Since you are in Utah, we should meet up sometime in person uh, and actually have a, a, a face-to-face conversation. Uh, but I, I hope listeners have enjoyed this dialogue. Um, I hope everyone will check out Charlie on LinkedIn, get connected, uh, see what he might be able to do for you and and your organization. And I hope everyone continues to stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope everyone has a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, 
leaders and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.